0: Hey, I'm Josh, and I'm Preet, and this is Sicker Than Your Average Health Show. Today, Preet and I are talking all about AI, robots, and healthcare.
1: How fast is technology advancing? What do you know about AI and health? And will C3PO really ever become your doctor? Get
0: comfy as we tackle all that and more and show you why this podcast is sicker than your average health show. All right, Preet, I got to ask you a question. Have you ever met a robot doctor?
1: There's There's been a couple of times, Josh, where where I wasn't sure. I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest. But um, to the best of my knowledge, I have not met a robot doctor before.
0: That's good, because so far as we know, we don't actually have any robot doctors yet. But that isn't to say that they, they aren't coming. You know, we we hear a lot of these days about how uh, technology is advancing to perform better this, and we got AI adv- advancements in that. But robot doctors aren't actually here yet.
1: Okay, so... The idea of having a robot as your doctor has become more and more realistic because of the advancements in technology in the last 20 years, especially in the last decade. We've seen how there's been a lot of innovation with existing technology. So it was a lot of product-based innovation where people are trying to improve tools that people already knew about, like improving the way x-rays, MRIs, ultrasounds, all that stuff are done. And now we're really obsessed with health data. We want it at our fingertips at every moment. And the idea of wearables is just second nature. Most of us have an Apple Watch or a Fitbit or some kind of app in our phone that we attribute to tracking our health. But in this next decade, there's something unprecedented that could be happening. And it's a frontier that it's been talked about for a long time, but we're really not sure how to adjust for it and what it's going to look like. And that's the idea of AI and robots taking over our actual delivery of healthcare. care. Okay, Preet, be honest. Before this podcast, before we went to
0: record this, would you have been able to comfortably sit down and define AI to somebody?
1: I'm not sure I can even do it now. I'm just uh, just going to preface with that for this whole episode. <laughs>
0: so think of AI as um, any process that a computer can do that would be a behavior or a thought process or something that you might think a human can do as well. But AI is advancing. And AI is advancing thanks to this fancy process called machine learning, which again, if you were like Preet and I and you weren't writing a podcast, you may have not known what machine learning was. But machine learning, you can think of it as just the process by which these computer AIs learn these human processes. Whether it's human thinking, whether it's human behavior, it's the process by which they pick up those behaviors. And what's behind that is pattern recognition. Humans are already really great at pattern recognition, but it turns out that AI may have us beat there. And that's really... What it, we got to wrap our head around as we think about how AI may come to exceed human capability and take over in some capacity, some realms, and some industries—healthcare not being excluded from that.
1: Right. And I think one thing I want to note from what you said there is the way we're sort of talking about it—we're kind of discussing it as if it hasn't already happened yet. But there's already a lot of AI in healthcare, and I think just because some of it's not as flashy, there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening behind the scenes.
0: That's definitely true. Absolutely. The biggest area that I think that how AI has been involved in healthcare already is diagnostics. So, whether that's something that's helped reading that mammography to pick up breast cancer, whether it's something that looks at pictures of lumps and bumps on your skin to see if that's skin cancer, or whether it's a computer who looks at MRIs of the brain to pick up a brain injury, AI is definitely already being used and it's really starting to flex its muscles in diagnostics.
1: Well, one that's easier to understand, I think, if you're not in healthcare would be this thing called the echo, which is essentially like a digital stethoscope that can pick up different disturbances in your heart rhythm. And it can pick up on like little nuances and traces that perhaps a human doctor could not or a human healthcare worker could not. There's some, there's some really interesting stuff that's very specific in its function, but there's also a lot of big picture stuff. Well, before we get to that big picture stuff, it's funny, actually, that echo
0: was advertised to me like on my social media, came up and said, Oh, you should buy one of these stethoscopes. And I actually looked into it. It's remarkable. It actually records what you listen to and starts diagnosing it before you even start making a diagnosis yourself. So you listen to that heartbeat, you would expect it to sound like a normal heartbeat, and all of a sudden it sounds a little different. You're trying to pick it up, and the stethoscope is running through an app on your phone that's already starting to make diagnoses for you. It's actually like really remarkable. I'm not gonna lie, I actually considered buying one myself.
1: But I think that shows the difference in the new innovation when you're shading towards AI an AI focus, because it's all about now, how do we find solutions and be able to have technology itself tell us what the problem is, rather than just feeding us new information for us to figure out the problem. But now we're transferring into that new era that we talked about, and it's a little less clear what we want AI to do.
0: It's, it's becoming really obvious that the technology is there. We're going to make another leap. But are we going to get to the point of total autonomy? Is AI going to be doing this all on its own? Are we actually going to have the robot doctor? There's been a lot of talk about it. It's brought up in movies. You know, we've seen it there before. But will we actually develop AI that can control a body, a robot, to make its own decisions, figure out what's going on, but then perform the task? do the treatment, perform the surgery, is that actually something that we're going to end up seeing?
1: So I think we also have to note that AI and robotics aren't necessarily the same thing. So before we kind of describe that, do you want to explain some areas where robots are really prevalent in healthcare?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's one really big example. um, A lot of people may be familiar with the da Vinci surgical system. Uh, I'll explain it to you. But honestly, just go Google it, get a picture of it. But picture it this way. There's a big set of operating robotic arms that are over top of a patient when they go in for surgery. The surgeon still walks in. The surgeon sits down at literally a computer or a video game console. They sit up next to a screen. They put their hands in a couple of controllers, and they then control the arms of that robot to perform the procedure. The procedure can be incredibly precise. It can be on almost the microscopic level, and it's really well controlled. This robot already exists and surgeons already perform these with every single day. It's actually quite a popular tool. If you want to see what this robot is capable of, check it out. It's it's actually you can see it take the skin off of the side of a grape and then stitch it back together. But even then, this isn't this still is not what we're talking about. So, we got robots, we got AI but this, this robot, the da Vinci, is not a robot as your doctor. This robot's still being controlled by an actual doctor.
1: By the way, I call the da Vinci the grape doctor, and, and no one can tell me otherwise. But in terms of, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of um, trying to d- distinguish between what, robotics and AI, what, what a robot versus AI is, so essentially, when we talk about robots taking over healthcare, we're talking about artificially intelligent robots. So, robots being the physical part of the machine that performs the movement, we can program a robot to do repeated tasks over and over and over again. But what comes next is the idea of being able to create artificially intelligent robots where AI acts as the brain and can learn from its surroundings and can adapt to what's in front of it so that the robot can then be reflexive and then perform those same actions as a healthcare worker. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in tech who could explain it a lot better than I just did. But we're just going to roll with that definition for today. So when it comes to that AI-controlled robot that you're you're talking about, what's the final outcome of that that development? I picture it
0: something like this, okay? You walk up to the hospital... And it's like walking up to a vending machine, literally like walking up to a vending machine. You step up in front, but the vending machine sort of talking to you and it's in a voice, it sounds friendly, and it says, hey, what seems to be the problem? And you as a patient, you explain, oh, I've been having this going on, it's been going on for this many days, and you sort of explain what's been going on. And this, this, this vending machine is listening to you and it's sort of, yes, okay, and tell me more, and it's asking you more questions. And then it says, oh, okay, well, I'd like to run a few tests. And right there while you're standing there, it performs an X-ray, it performs an ultrasound. You know, the, some robotic arm on this x-ray machine waves beside your body and performs that scan. You press your thumb up against it as if you're pressing a button on a vending machine, and it takes a little blood sample, and it runs to see what your blood levels are like. It looks to see what might be going on there. Then, with all that information, this vending machine comes up with your diagnosis, and it either sends you into the hospital and says, okay, you need to go talk to this person on this floor, and they're going to do this thing for you, or... It figures out there's a medication for you, and just like a vending machine, spits out that medication, directions, and all, sends you on your way. That's sort of the example that I think about when I think of the fully automated robot doctor. Yes, that example is not something that's sort of uh, humanoid, something that looks like a human, but that whole analogy is something that listened to what what you were concerned with. It ran a few tests on you. It came up with a diagnosis, and then decided on what this more the most needed treatment was for you. And if you think about all the pieces we've explained already, where the AI can make diagnoses and we have the Da Vinci that can perform surgery, does this really sound that far off to you, Preet? Well is this is this like
1: unsupervised or is just functioning by itself?
0: You know, in that in that specific example, I, I don't really know. I picture it as basically that individual machine operating all on its own, but maybe there's a report going to a human later to sort of check all of these things. Or after that report, it sends you to a human to sort of talk about your diagnosis. And it says, hey, this is what you have. You need someone to sort of guide your lifestyle choices going forward. You need someone to guide your diet and exercise things along those lines. So maybe it's entirely independent on its own and it's followed up with by a real person. Or maybe it's supervised by someone who's watching a couple of these machines at a time. But to be honest, with the capacity of AI to do these things, are we going to need that direct supervision for these sorts of machines with as smart as they're set to get? You know, it, it already sounds like we're arguing a bit of a foregone conclusion here. So is it actually not when, but if?
1: The idea that this is just a foregone conclusion isn't just coming from nowhere either. There's been a couple of events that have uh, really triggered some of these conversations in the last few years. So in 2012, Vinod Khosla, who is a very well-known venture capitalist and investor in Silicon Valley, he said that there will be AI robot doctors functioning by the year 2035. That's 15 years from now. That's 15 years from now. He said that eight years ago, and I don't know. There, there's a lot of people clamoring that it's going to be sooner. There's some saying that it'll be later. I think it's going to be later. Uh, you know,
0: I, I I think he could be pretty close to right. In fact, I, I, wouldn't, I would be willing to venture that it's going to be somewhere right around that.
1: Okay, so you think in the next 15 years that you'll be able to go to a clinic, walk into an exam room, and that vending machine doctor, who maybe doesn't look like a vending machine anymore something sleeker i don't know will come in ask you a bunch of questions interview you about your health spit out a diagnosis and give you your medicines by in in 2035 15 years from now yes yeah
0: i i okay. you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be so bold as to say in 15 years the vending machine doctor is going to be spitting out drugs to you right in the clinic
1: i i think it's going to be i think it's going to be much later
0: And that's okay, because it leads perfectly into today's debate. When will you be able to go into a doctor's office and get your medical care from a robot? Hmm, I don't really know that much about robots. I don't know, um... 2022, for sure. 2030.
1: Judging by the Jetsons, I would say somewhere around the year 3000. Never.
0: 2075. I really hope that never happens. That's coming up right after the break. So, Preet, um, has anyone told you they like the music on the
1: show? I think everyone who gave us feedback on the show, one of their first pieces of feedback was they love the music.
0: Oh, great. So our friends love our voice and all of our thought behind it. uh, Or they
1: just love the sound of sweet tracks. I'm going to go with the second one. So Ritual Music is a music licensing company. Um, they've been nice enough to let us license a few songs and figure out what we want the sounds of the show to be. So if you list, if you hear anything that you like in particular, please send us a message. If you want to hear more of it, if you want to hear less of it, let us know. But if you do need any music, head over to RitualMusic.com and see if there is anything you like.
0: Okay, Preet. So I think it's gonna be the next fifteen years. You don't think it's gonna be the next fifteen years. I think it's just time we straight up try to settle this between the two of us. Like any rational, appropriate volume speaking people would with one another. We're going to debate this right here, right now. I think it's going to be next week. You think it's going to be a while. What do you got?
1: Well, so just to clarify, we're not allowed to scream at each other. That's the rule of today's debate. We can scream. but probably just going to edit it out just turn down the volume for that part. So a warning to everyone
0: that this is a good time to turn down the volume on your on your podcast. <laughs> okay, Bri, you t- let me
1: start. No, no, tell me why you think it's going to be so soon.
0: You actually made one of these points for me. Look at what look at what has happened just in the last decades. You talked about how technology has advanced in making machines, then we talked about data and wearables, and we've already entered this phase where AI has started to take the place in medicine and diagnostics. If we can look at anything over the course of our lifetime in the last 30 years, it's that things grow at a rate that we never seem to be able to predict. Yes, the big example of flying cars, we don't have that yet, but um, try telling my grandma, who was born the same decade that Velcro was invented, that today she could pick up her phone
1: and call me on a screen and see my face. Okay, but (laughs) for that whole process to happen, the idea of just seeing your doctor or a healthcare worker on the, on your phone or your tablet, that took like 15 years of constant marketing and nagging people to try telemedicine and then a pandemic. So I'm not as hopeful for you as you for the uptake of some of this new technology to be that fast. And I think the other thing we have to think about here is when we talked about that past technology. It was pretty dependent on clinicians and any healthcare worker in particular, name your discipline, seeing the value in a piece of technology and then incorporating it into their work. So, this next frontier is different because we need patients to be on board.
0: Okay, I see your point. Do you ever buy food from a vending machine, Preet? Uh, rarely, but I, I really don't know where you're going with this. So what if I told you that vending machine and just instead of that time satisfying your wants for getting you a nice tasty snack in the middle of your busy day, instead was that's how quickly you could see your doctor, get your diagnosis and get your treatment. The ease of that has to appeal to you.
1: But that, that's not any different than me seeing my doctor on telemedicine. Just because you have the robot doctor doesn't mean the robot doctor can see you faster. We don't what we do don't mean? know that yet. Yeah,
0: but you just talked about your robot. You just talked about your doctor on telemedicine. At the end of that, you have to go pick up your prescription from somewhere. This vending machine doctor I'm talking about literally spits it out of the vending machine when it's finished talking to you. The whole thing is
1: done right then and there. Okay. Well, if that's the way it functions, that does that sounds convenient. But that just Ooh, makes so me think so now it's it gonna... sounds convenient, does it? Well, it's, it's still, it still sounds convenient, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen any faster. If anything, you've just added this whole new element and variable to the whole process. That makes me think it'll take even longer. But see, I'm, I'm not the only one who's thinking this way. They did
0: a survey recently to looking at healthcare executives in North America, and they all see that AI is going to be the biggest disruptor, the biggest aspect that's set to change the way that we deliver healthcare in the future. AI, not technology, not imaging, not virtual reality, but literally artificial intelligence is going to be the single biggest change in healthcare delivery coming up. And that's from people who are at the forefront of delivering healthcare right now. This isn't from the like the healthcare technologies. This is from people who run hospitals. This is from people who run health authorities. They all think that this is what's coming next. Aren't they the smart ones?
1: But I'm not debating that point. Like, I agree that there will be robot doctors and I agree that this next stage of AI is going to be that disruptor that you're talking about in healthcare. What I'm saying, though, is the data that we need to actually make the robot doctor happen is so hard to quantify because you're asking us to basically quantify what a health worker does. And we're kind of operating on this assumption that a health worker is just like the sum of their parts. So if you can figure out diagnosing, if you can figure out medication, if you can figure out organization of a healthcare system, that it gives you enough to basically create the robot doctor. But the amount of data that we need, it's hard to even put it in perspective. And we don't have a lot of it. And then we have to gather the data and then we have to input that data. And if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. So if you have bad data going in, you have bad data coming out.
0: Uh, I will say that I'm with you on all of that. Other than the fact that you actually sort of line this up for us already. We are in the current phase of big data, wearable analytics. And that data is actually being collected all the time. When you go to sleep at night and your iPhone's tracking your sleep, or you put on the Fitbit the next morning, it takes your heart rate 15 times a day and checks how many times you're moving. This data is already being collected. It's already being there. That's why the next phase is primed. It's primed because right now, all we're doing is collecting data. And yes, I would agree with you, there's a lot to be done still in terms of garbage, in terms of cleaning up the data, in terms of making it useful, in terms of making correlations. But as we talked about before, AI is really great at looking at large amounts of data sets and figuring out what the patterns are in there, what's useful in there, predicting disease patterns from it. That part is actually already being done. The garbage in, yes, but the AI is getting smarter to the fact that it realizes what the garbage in and either can find something clean and find something useful within that garbage or just disregard the garbage on its own. It doesn't need to compute every piece of data that's being offered.
1: So there's definitely truth to what you're saying. I will concede that to you. That's maybe as far as I'll ever go. Point
0: one for Josh. Point point two for Josh. We have a demand. There is a shortage of healthcare workers everywhere. Look at rural communities in our own country. Look at uh, low-income countries that need nurses, that need healthcare practitioners, that need doctors. You cannot, for a moment, say that the demand is not as great as it's ever been for us to have more healthcare workers. What if those healthcare workers can be robot doctors? What if we can have AI provide those, that care and those services for the places that were short and that's a lot of places it's not like we're talking a few places we're short all across the world
1: but okay so i'm not going to talk about crossing borders and putting ai doctors in low and middle income countries because this could just become this could just break down into like a geopolitical debate that will last for maybe three hours what I'm going to say is your points on data. What I was going to say before you just took it off is a victory for yourself. That's what a concession
0: that, is. It's a lap of victory. It wasn't. Just, okay. was in
1: <laughs> American politics right now what a concession no. is, and uh, okay. that'll be uh, a one for Josh. <laughs> okay. So AI, let's look back, get, let's get back to the point. So AI is is outstanding at, t- at taking large amounts of data and figuring out what to do with it. But what I'm saying with my garbage input analogy is that the area of AI research that is still not at the level that it would need to be to develop this robotic doctor is quantifying emotion and quantifying those intangibles that make up being a person. Because I don't think, and you can look back at those guest montages, people are not loving the idea of going to see a robot, no matter how humanistic it seems. Quantifying emotion is not something that's been done well yet. So in one of the studies of AI interventions in pregnancy care, there was this big systematic review, and they found that of the 159 studies, only two had any sort of parameter amount emotion. So it's a big gap. And I don't know if you can fill that that easily, because once you start programming those robots and they start doing deep learning, which is where... Basically, the AI takes all its data and then starts to learn from the data it's receiving and put together a picture for itself as if like almost like a human mind would, where we interpret what we're being told. We don't know that it's going to come out with the answer that's needed to be an effective healthcare worker.
0: Okay, Uh, you're right. We don't know what it's going to look like yet. But in regards to the development of AI, we're in a phase of AI that you can think of as its infancy. It hasn't gotten strong yet but it's about to, and the degree and the speed, the level that AI is set to get to, I don't really know how well the majority of us have any capability to understand. That deep learning you're talking about, of being able to pick up emotional nuances, what literally stands in the way of AI learning what emotional nuances we pick up as humans. It picks up other behaviors in terms of following up on questions, natural listening styles. So the, this video online of two AI systems making a call to each other to make a restaurant reservation and it's responding to each other's cues. And, you know, response to cues emotional responses to cues we do the same thing as humans based on patterns we respond to emotion based on the body language in front of us and that's what we pick up with our eyes what's to say that the robots the ai can't do the exact same thing if someone's body language changes if they withdraw from the conversation if their their eyes widen or something along those lines those can be quantified and cued as emotional responses so there's nothing to say that when ai gets to its strong phase that it can't pick up some of these really true nuances the way that i see this could happen with ai evolving it gets to this strong phase by the end you won't be able to tell if that robot in front of you is your doctor or maybe it's your most empathetic aunt We think of it now as emotion is a huge barrier to it. And you're right. Right now, emotion is a huge barrier to it. What if AI develops the capacity to exemplify emotion, to connect in that way?
1: That's a big if. Like by 2035, that's a big if. Eventually, I I agree with you, like it's going to get there, but listening to how you explain it, I can totally see why there are so many ethical and philosophical conversations around how much AI should be involved in healthcare. There is an absolute uproar right now, especially in uh, academia. So in like research circles, um, where people are wondering, you know, is this something that we even want to pursue? And well, a what's their of-
0: big concern? Tell them, what, what are they worried about?
1: There's a, I mean, there's a lot of things here. There's a lot of issues. What about privacy and security? We're, we're already worried about electronic medical records right now. And then, you know, there's some other big picture stuff. Well, not that that stuff isn't big picture, but in terms of how it's, it impacts like the economics of, of our world, who are the ones that get to develop the AI doctor? who owns the AI doctor, and how do we standardize it so every single AI doctor is programmed the same. And you might think that's a really easy part of it, but there's actually a a big debate between some of the top researchers in Canada and the US and Google Health. And Google Health is developing um, a prototype of its own that's actually, I think, done some pretty cool stuff. But Google Health was unwilling to give up some of the data that they use to program their robot because of some, uh, because of debates over proprietary factors. So like who will own the patent to this data? Is it patient data? I mean, you're already seeing just like at a baseline level sharing, the tiniest bit of progress seems so difficult.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you always have to consider what are the impacts for everyone as a whole? What happens with who owns it? What happens with how it's developed? What happens with the data sharing? What happens with the privacy? I'm not going to minimize any of those things, but we also have another driver as of right now, there's spending of a few billion dollars in AI in AI and healthcare every year, but there were some predictions that AI and healthcare could save like in the order of hundreds of billions in as soon as five years. So we're talking about a lot of money in, but a financial
1: or a significant amount of money saved. It's definitely a driver of getting some quick prototypes out. I just don't think that those prototypes are going to be good enough that some civilian is going to walk into an office and see them. In our lifetimes, absolutely, but I, I would be very hesitant to say that people would be comfortable seeing one of these Google Health Docs. And I also think that, like the bureaucracy of what it's going to take to start having a robot doctor practicing is just going to be so insurmountable for the first like, five years after a working prototype is developed. It's very far in the future.
0: Let me ask you this. We developed this first robot prototype, and just like the studies we're seeing on AI being better at... Diagnosing breast cancer on mammography, and how we're seeing that it can pick up uh, changes in the eye as a result of diabetes better than eye specialists. Let's say that first robot doctor, yeah, is coming out as about as good as regular doctors are at diagnostics and outcomes. Then the second, third generation one comes along, and think of it as the same iPhone release schedule. Robot Doctor 2, Robot Doctor 6S, comes out, and all of a sudden it has better performance than most healthcare practitioners. And you now have the option of going to see a doctor who does well and the robot doctor that does two
1: times as well in taking care of your health. That's an endpoint argument where we're talking about should you see a robot doctor versus a patient. Your point where you're talking about imagine that it does all these things better. We have to also acknowledge that there's lots of situations where the AI that's been developed hasn't done better. It's really easy to focus on the successes, but it's not just been like one resounding success that we've seen that AI is just going to sweep the entire field. South Korea had that new screening tool for thyroid cancers, and then they had a massive problem with overdiagnosis. There was suddenly the rate of thyroid cancer in the country, I think it went up tenfold in a decade. Oh, the idea of overdiagnosis being an issue, I know it's not something that maybe we think about as an issue. We think you miss something major. That's a colossal mistake. But overdiagnosis can also be a colossal mistake just because of the mental health outcomes of patients who might think they have a disease or illness that's much more severe than what they actually have or don't have at all. That idea of overdiagnosis ties back to clinical intuition, and that's the big area where there's a lot of question marks if deep learning can overcome that next layer. And clinical intuition, it comes down to being able to tie together all those things of emotion that we talked about, the cadence of someone's voice, the tone of the syntax, can you read whether that patient is being truthful based on your history that you have with them or lack of history that you have with them. And then being able to tie in together, what's the best clinical decision? The best clinical decision is not necessarily just find an illness, dispense the drugs to treat it. What if a patient is at the end of their life? But How do we know that an AI robot doctor in the next 15 years will develop the nuance to be able to understand when to balance quality of life and when to balance treatment directly? So there's a lot of questions that have to be answered before we can actually have one of these things roaming into an office. I just don't think it'll be an option for me.
0: One of the reasons I think this is more likely than not in this sort of short time frame is that I don't make the argument that robot doctors are going to replace regular doctors, but to work alongside with, such that if you're a patient and you'd rather speak to a a real human doctor, you are given that option. If the, the robot doctor has a certain degree of uncertainty in your diagnosis, or at any point during your treatment or your encounter, you say, hey, I'm not understanding this in a way that I think I'd like to, people still have the option, just like you do now with your regular doctor, to say, hey, I'd like to get a second opinion. I'm not saying that it's the day we have robot doctors, no more real doctors are going to be around. I don't pretend to think that for a reason at all, but I see a world, I truly do, where robot doctors will work alongside real human practitioners and other healthcare professionals Across the healthcare field in every way so that you have the option to sort of work with both or either given the circumstance that fits for you. And like you said, maybe end of life care is one of those scenarios where, hey, what I really need here is the human connection in my care and I want to see someone who I have the opportunity of experiencing that with. Or maybe it's as simple as, hey, I've had this cold for a week or I have this small health concern that I just like dealt with quickly. The same way that people are turning to something like telemedicine or picking up a FaceTime call to talk to your doctor, it's not their family doctor. It's not the doctor you have a, a connection with. It's, it's some random doctor that you're going to be assigned. And there may be nothing wrong with that in the circumstance that all you're looking for is the answer to a low stake solution for yourself. And if we know that there's a lot of those issues that present in healthcare, what's to say that there's not a large enough drive where people feel really confident going for smaller issues And for larger issues, they would like to go see someone in person. So I don't make the argument at all that robot doctors are here to replace human doctors, at least not yet. But that in the next 15 years,
1: you may have the option to go see a robot doctor. But that's that's deviating a little bit from the initial argument, which was that you'll see this autonomous robot doctor. Oh, absolutely.
0: No, no, that's not that's not deviating. It's that they it's just like. A nurse practitioner or a doctor are two of your options to go to for primary care. Which one do you want to go to? The third option now is robot doctor. I'm not deviating at all. Well, nowhere was the argument robot doctors will be the only doctors that you can see in 15 years. The argument was you could go see a robot doctor in 15 years. But now you're changing the stakes. Now you're saying, Changing the stakes? I never small... changed those stakes. Listen, you did. Everyone you has changed... the
1: ability to rewind back on this podcast and check out exactly what them you stakes changed... is. We didn't say, like, oh, what about for a small issue? We said, would you walk in and your robot doctor would be there to treat you, big or small? Well, we didn't would say for robot a big issue. Be the one to treat you? What? We didn't say for a big issue. Yeah, but that's the premise of the argument. Robot doctor is supposed to mimic a real doctor, which means that you would see a doctor for a big issue or a small issue, i.e. you go to the doctor.
0: Yeah, but our most visits, like tons of visits, people go to the doctor knowing that it's not a quote-unquote big issue this is a concern that they have they'd like to have addressed but lots of visits to the family care doctor saying hey i've had this thing that's been bothering me for a little bit i'd like to find a solution for it and all i'm saying is that you could go to your family doctor clinic and at the doctor's clinic one room is the real doctor other room is the robot doctor and they could be right there working all by themselves and the human doctor doesn't check the robot doctor's diagnosis afterwards they just the robot doctor just does its thing just like any other doctor in the clinic punches in punches out goes
1: home to its robot family (laughs) yeah well we have to talk about whether it'll have a robot family as well but we don't have time to debate that josh i think the point stands that uh we won't see them in the next 15 years (laughs) i don't even know how to respond to that But uh, we do want to know what you think. It's obviously a contentious topic. If you have an idea of when you think you'll see a robot doctor, or when we could potentially have one, check out our Twitter poll and let us know what you think.
0: Uh, As someone who is in no way fond of disclaimers at the end of your podcast content, uh, we do think it's important to note that uh, Preet and I took separate sides on this debate to sort of show how AI is standing a chance to shape healthcare delivery in the future, and That we are both a blend of both opinions. But that I'm probably right and doctors are going to be here in 15. (laughs) as, As robots. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple,
1: Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And check out our Twitter and Instagram at sickhealthshow for the latest updates and to vote on that new poll we're putting out there on when the first robot doctor will be available. And you can also email us at sickhealthshow at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments.
0: As always, you can find the credits and references for today's show in the show notes. We're looking forward to sharing more with you on our next episode of Sicker Than Your Average Health Show.